we all have the power to create our own empowering belief system, regardless of what was instilled in you as a child, whether your parents or your teachers or your religious groups instilled negative beliefs in you, you have the power to turn that around. Hey, I'm talking here. I'm talking here. Put em up, put em up. I'm talking here. Hey, folks, Steve Rizzo here, and welcome to Hey, I'm Talking Here. This is a very entertaining show about empowerment. It's a show that will not only take you to a better place in business, but in life, and in my view, that is the ultimate success. And uh, this show is brought to you by Conversations with Bob. The book is for sale now. You can go on Amazon. It's there. You can purchase it. It's a, it's a hard cover. Yourinnerbob.com. You can order the book. It's a great website. Do it. It's a great gift for people. If your life isn't working on any level, this is the book that can help you turn it around. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying. Let's talk about... Uh, the, the theme, which is believe it and achieve it. The best way to start this off, Eric, is to talk about uh, Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Um, and I knew him quite well back in the day. You know, I'm 13 years older than him. And Eddie Murphy started in the comedy business when he was just 17 years old. I think he was even younger than that. He wasn't even allowed to be in the clubs, but he was so good that they couldn't say you can't do it. Right. But the thing that impressed me uh, about him more than anything else. Now, I was teaching full time at, at, at that time. When right. I started to know him, this is in the very early eighties, I was doing comedy part-time and Eddie had this persona about him, this incredible way about him with that reeked with confidence on and off the stage. Was, was there, was it borderline arrogance a little bit or was it no, no, below that? No, no, no. And that's, that was a, that's a great question, but no, no. And no one took it at that. Right. He just, he just embraced who he was. And, and that's how you can tell. You could tell people who are really arrogant and people who would just say things as a matter of fact. And he was so determined to be what he wanted to be, his thought process. And as you people heard me say over and over again, your thoughts on a consistent basis will create the beliefs that you have about yourself and your surrounding world. Yeah. And um, he had this power of intention and 100% of his life was on his craft. He would go up on stage, and when he got off, he would ask the seasoned comedians, what do you think I can do to tweak this? If you have any notes, please watch my set. I appreciate your feedback. Mm -hmm. And everyone was willing to help him because, as I said, he had this confidence on stage. And the thing that blew me away more than anything, and that's when I realized that this guy had an impeccable belief about himself. We were at uh, performing at a club on a Saturday night at the Eastside Comedy Club. There were three shows on a Saturday and Eddie and I were co-headlining. Co so after the first show, we're in the green room. It's me, Eddie, and another comedian named Frankie. And we're talking about what we want to do with our lives at some point. When, you know, how do we, where are we going? Mm -hmm. And uh, Frankie starts and goes, well, uh, hopefully, uh, maybe uh, if I'm lucky, I'll, I'll quit my full-time job. And, and, you know, maybe I could, gee, if I'm lucky enough, I'll, I'll be able to do stand-up full-time, and I can support my family with that money. And he's going on and on. He was pretty awkward. He didn't have anything 
upset that it was my turn. Mm-hmm. And Eddie goes, Steve, what about you? And I said, man, I, I'm, as you know, I'm teaching now and eventually I will quit. I don't know when, but I'm going to do stand up. And then I started with a hopefully maybe I'll be able to headline and maybe I'll get into my own sitcom. Mm-hmm. And Eddie's listening, you know, and I asked him, I said, Eddie, what about you? Eric, I swear, he stands up, his chest comes out, and he goes, Steve, Frankie, I'm going to be to comedy what the Beatles are to music. The key words, going to be. Going to be. And as you were alluding to earlier, he didn't say it with conceit. He wasn't bragging. He said it as a matter of fact, as if he saw his life unfolding in front of him. He was looking at a crystal ball and he Mm -hmm. saw everything. He kept him and he told me he would imagine himself every day. He would imagine what his life was going to be. Not maybe what it was going to be, what it was going to be. And it wasn't his ego. It wasn't anything else. It was, I am going to be. And you know what? When he catapulted and 18 years old and Saturday Night Live picked him up, he had this, this way about him that, he just knew it was going to happen. Yeah. He told us once after a show that he was going to do a movie with Robert De Niro. And he did. He did that movie. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And a lot of people, what amazes me is that a lot of people, a lot of comedians said, well, of course he made it. Eddie Murphy was lucky. He had the talent and he was in the right place at the right time. I don't believe in that bullshit. I don't yeah. believe in luck. Eric, I believe, and I know you do too, we make our own luck. And our luck is created by what we believe and how we believe in ourselves. And again, I know this sounds repetitious, but your beliefs are created over a period of time through a consistent way of thinking. Your thoughts create your beliefs and your beliefs create the labels you wear throughout your life. And those labels write the story of your life. Eddie Murphy was writing, since I could remember, the story of his life. He would tell me when he was in his early teens, he would look into a mirror and pretend there was an audience and he would get standing ovations. He visualized himself doing this. Yeah. So he wasn't lucky. He made his own luck. And my point is, and this is why Eric, you and I do what we do. We all have the power to create our own empowering belief system, yeah. regardless of what was instilled in you as a child whether your parents or your teachers or your religious groups instilled negative beliefs in you, you have the power to turn that around. Yeah. And it's how you think of yourself. And what I learned, one of the things that held me back from, from being successful as a comedian is that everyone in my inner circle was telling me that I was going to be the next one. And I'm serious. I'm talking about big name comedians now that are famous, but I didn't believe it. Right. Now everyone in the world can believe in you, but if you don't believe in yourself, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. That's the law of attraction. That's God's greatest creation is the law of attraction. What you think and what you believe is what you're going to get. If yeah. you don't think you're good enough, you never will be. If you don't think you're worthy enough, you never will be. But if you think you're going to make it and you're going to make it big, you have an incredible chance that you're going to make it. You could prove it. There are people out there who are incredibly famous that don't have that much talent at all. Right. Talent does not make a person. It's what you believe in is what makes the person. If your belief is more powerful than your talent, you have a damn good chance of becoming what you want to become. Can I talk now? No. <laughs> <laughs> I've been saying for a long time, you know, I hate uh, fake it till you make it. Be, yep. it. be it until you see it. And that's kind of Eddie Murphy. 
he saw he saw it. I, and I, one of the things about this subject that th- I find very intriguing and interesting is Eddie Murphy at that age is 18 or 17 or whatever it is, right? And at that age of 17, 18, we're kind of young and naive to what we think we can do in the, in the world. Yeah. We have a little conviction with it. There's no telling how far we can go, right? But then we, I don't know when I don't know when we change and when we stop, but we stop believing, we we stop dreaming. We stop, you know, I, I went to pick my daughters up today and as I was thinking about this show and I'm driving down the highway and I'm wondering how many people that are adults my age are going, I wish, I wish this would have happened. I wish I could have that. I wish that. And and we stop, we, we wish, which, and you know, like hope, we, I hope, hope isn't a, a freaking plan. You know, one of the things I have, I have a friend, uh, Marie, and I don't know if she's watching this or not, but we, she'll, she'll message me sometimes in the morning. I know you're going to have a good day. It's not, I hope you have a good day. I know you're going to have a good day. Yes. Yeah. Back and forth because I know is far more powerful than I hope. Hope isn't a plan. It never works out. And so yeah. write it down, tell your freaking friends about it, post about it on social media, pray about it, it, follow people that can help you get to where you, like, we just, we stop doing that as adults and it's yeah. Well, you're hitting on the key words. Tell everyone about it because when you do that, you're already manifesting what you desire. That seed possibility has been planted. And when that seed possibility is planted, the manifestation process is, is, is moving along with your thought process, with your belief process. And you alluded to something earlier too. Three words that everyone has to be careful about, hopefully, maybe, and possibly. Those words, sometimes they're, they're appropriate, but a lot of times if you're going for a job interview and you're walking out of your house and someone says to you, you're going to nail it today and you walk out saying, I hope so, right then and there, that's a seed of negativity. Yeah. That means you're saying that there's a chance you're not going to do well on that interview. Yeah. And, and that's not good. You don't want to go in that interview with that. You're going to say, yeah, I'm going to nail it. But I was watching Oprah many years ago and Jim Carrey was on, and this is, this is perfect for what we're talking about. And uh, she alluded to the fact that how something that he did when he was imagining and he visualized his life. And he said he knew for certain that he was going to be a star. And he said one day he wrote out a check for himself for $10 million. Yeah. And he said to himself, he's going to give himself 10 years. And in 10 years, he's going to get $10 million. He folded the check up. Forgot he even had it, put it in his wallet and kept it there for 10 years. And it was almost, this was on Thanksgiving Day that he did that. 10 years later, on Thanksgiving Day, he received a notice from his manager that he was going to receive $10 million for the movie Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. And he realized what he did 10 years ago and he went to his wallet, he pulled it out and there was that check. Yeah. And the check, the, the sum of $10 million. And that's what happened. Yeah. But he believed it. Every day he would ride, drive up to Mah- Mahol. I just, did I say it right? Maholland Drive. And he would sit there for an hour and meditate and visualize, not, not just pray about it. And when he prayed, he prayed knowing that when he walked away from the prayer, he knew that prayer was going to be answered. Yeah. And that's, that's what some people do when it comes to prayer. Your mindset during prayer is 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 crucial it's the mindset you have before you're praying while you're praying and after you're praying you have to believe without a doubt that when you pray it's going to happen it may not happen in the time that you want and that's where people fail because it takes two weeks three weeks later to go and oh, i knew this shit wasn't going to happen my prayers right. are never answered you right. just squash the seed possibility for that prayer being answered 
because yeah. of your negative inertia, your way of thinking. Yeah. It's all on how you think and what you believe. The thing, again, going back to Eddie Murphy, you know, I got to tell you something. His claim to fame was so fast. It was so, so fast. The original cast from Saturday Night Live had left. That was Dan Aykroyd and all those guys and Bill Murray and Chevy Jess and all them. So the new cast was there and they already had a season and they, they bombed. And Eddie Murphy found out that there was going to be an audition. We told him there's an audition at, at, at the comic strip in, in New York City. You got to go and audition. And he said, but the owners don't care for me and they don't want me to perform in their club. And they said, why? And he goes, I don't know. They just won't. And, and I said, Eddie, we said, they, they can't tell you not to audition for Saturday Night Live. You have that right. So he went down there. He walked in with a couple of other comedians. That night, after the rainy night house, he went into the comic strip and they said, we don't want you in the club. What are you doing here? And he goes, I'm here to audition for Saturday Night Live and you can't stop me. Yeah. So just as he was arguing with them, the, the powers that be from Saturday Night Live went up to Eddie. They looked at him. They said, who are you? He jumped in front of the two owners and said, my name is Eddie Murphy. I want to audition for Saturday Night Live, and I think I'm the guy that you want. Nice. So from what I heard, he went on stage. He did a minute and 30 seconds about, and they heard the powers that be from Saturday Night Live say, we've got him. We've got our next black comedian for Saturday Night Live. And his right. star was born. And as you know, he tore that place apart with his characters. Yeah. He immediately became a star. It was that fast. Power of intention, the belief he had in himself, the courage he had for going to a club where the owners said they didn't want him there, yeah. but he did it anyway. Yeah. That's a belief. Yeah. That's power. That's that's the law of attraction. For those of you that saying he was lucky, no, he made his own luck. It helped that he was probably pretty naturally funny, too. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Actually, he was hysterical. Yeah. He was hysterical, but yeah. it was how, how yeah, many great story. were hysterical that, you know, didn't get as far as he did. But yeah. there was something about him that was unwavering. It was it was it was unbelievable. One of my favorite things about you when I first met you was the Falcon Island skit. And the fact that you mentioned that that was Gilbert Gottfried's uh, favorite skit. Yeah. Everyone needs to listen. I, I bet I listened to it three or four times a week it is yeah. just okay goal i will play it and let me give the little intro to it and if you have to go I, i'm gonna I, jump I, off and and you jump off and I, i'll introduce the thing and everyone say goodbye and uh um so let me introduce this so gilbert godfrey uh one of his favorite bits of mine and he, he flipped out over this when he heard it for the first time and i the first time i really did this bit i always had it in my mind i never thought i would do it and i did it the first time on a radio show called the john boy and billy show and uh it's the premise is john boy and billy are asking me where i'm from and i said i'm from brooklyn new york and then i continue from there so do me a favor folks hang on to this and let's listen to the falcon islands uh and this is in honor of uh gilbert godfrey um he'll always be with me in my heart and in my soul, I love him. And um, let's play this. People say people from Brooklyn curse a lot, but they don't mean to. Certain, right? Yeah, certain words are adjectives to them. Like when I was going to college, I was in a history class with a friend of mine who was from Brooklyn, and a professor was talking about when Argentina attacked the Falkland Islands. <laughs> <laughs>
This guy's going, yo, Professor, what fucking island you talking about? So the professor's like, you know, I don't think you understand. He's going, hey, no, you don't understand. I ask you a question. I got to know what Falkland Islands you're talking about. There's Falkland Islands all over the place. What am I supposed to put on a test for crying out loud? So the professor's like, look, there's only one Falkland Islands. Like, hey, moron. Hey, read my lips, all right? There's Falkland Islands all over the world. Look at the map. Look at it. See those little pieces of dirt floating around in the water? Do you know what they are? They're Falkland Islands. You got the Hawaiian Falkland Islands, the Bermuda Falkland Islands, the Caribbean Falkland Islands, and somewhere on there, you got Gilligan Falkland Islands. I ought to smack him in the back of the head is what I ought to do. Stab him in the heart with a pencil. You guys laughing at me again? I don't need this pressure. I could have stayed in bed. <laughs> okay, quick. Go get on the phones. <laughs> Reggie, go answer them. Everybody out. Go answer the phones. <laughs> Just give the address for the FCC. <laughs> oh, man. Steve. Did oh. I say something wrong? <laughs> what did I do?